All right, gentlemen. Well, are we ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Blort. Welcome to another episode of Geek Fanthology. We're not doing anything themed so very much this week, so yeah. Hi, I'm I'm Neil. I'm hi, Neil. <laughs> hi, Neil. <laughs> Welcome to Geeks Anonymous. I've been a geek for. If it's supposed to be anonymous, you're kind of doing it wrong by doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, but he didn't give his last name. It's Cordray. Ah, now the anonymity is completely screwed. Yeah. So I'm still the one true Ben. Yeah, I don't think... I, that, that, that's a state of being. I don't think you can really avoid it. <laughs> yeah, right. And we are also joined this week by... Nothing clever to say Mike. <laughs> Which is pretty much what he always says. Uh, sorry, I, I cannot resist sometimes. I've been kind of a dick today. I apologize. Um, Wookie is out today. Uh, he's apparently not, he's not feeling very well. He's and under the rather rainy weather. It is yeah. rather rainy out here. Um, we got the window open, so if people, you know, if if kids run by, I apologize. It's just it's ambiance. Be- it's better than running the air conditioner and that <laughs> behind, behind the, the audio. Well, kids playing as well as ominous. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, sound. Right? So, um, I, w- I, I was thinking about things uh, yesterday. Uh, we t- I realized... We talk a lot about things about which we are nostalgic, and we talk about a lot about things that are current and topical when we do like movie reviews. But you know, we're trying, we're establishing ourselves as geeks, and about at least as being old geeks. But what are we doing currently that is at least marginally of the geek bent? So I thought today we'd just talk about you know what have we been geeking over lately. Lately, yeah, I've been geeking over the new Star Trek Discovery coming out. Mm. Um, that one looks looks good. Um, it's going to. Uh, one thing I was geeking over on that. Um, it's going to discard the no interpersonal conflicts between crew members rule that the Roddenberry bo- Roddenberry's box is what it's called. Ah. Mm. Um, in other words. Everybody must get along to a certain point. You can't have any real, you know, opposition between crew members, except for when someone's possessed. I feel <laughs> like they did that a lot in Voyager, though. Uh, Voyager. I thought like still... kind of the point was the point of Voyager was learning to live with people that you don't really like. Yeah, but Voyager still, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, everybody was still one big happy Starfleet. You know. I'm not going to be able to contribute too much for the segment, since my Star Trek knowledge is pretty much limited to movies. Well, still. Well, we need to get you... We need. <clears throat> I, I feel like we need we, are, we need to do episodes on each Star Trek so that we can force you to have <laughs> experienced Star Trek. I At mean, you know, it's on my radar. One of us. One <laughs> of us. Yeah. I will be assembled. It's, it's, all, it's yeah, the only the resistance on. I know, I'm sorry. Yes, resistance is 0. .607. <laughs> Hot Club on. Is that Klingon? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you got the accent, right? Um, <laughs> sounds Klingon. I used to know to be or not to be in Klingon. 
But that's, well, that's I a know different the, kind of geekiness. Yeah. I know the I know the Klingon equivalent of to be or not to be without stealing from Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, uh, nice. It's Cal Ke- uh, Cal Comorex Kestrex. That which does not grow dies. Mm-hmm. That's not. That's not what I was. Not quite the same thing. What I'm talking about is I actually it's, read. I actually mm-hmm. when I was in high school I checked out and read the Klingon Language Foundation's translation of William Shakespeare's Hamlet. <laughs> Hamlet. <laughs> All sorts of weird, like, geeky cross-pollination books like that. Like, there's a Star Wars done in Shakespeare's. I have. I, my, I just found out, actually, the last time I was home, my parents have that. Oh, yeah. I am totally stealing it. <clears throat> uh, well, there's um, William Shakespeare's A New Hope. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> If you want to get it really deep into Klingon mindset, um, I think it's called the Final Solution um, or the Final Gambit. Speaking of ominous, well, it's um, it's set early in in Federation history. Oh yeah, right about the time the Federation was um, really first discovering the uh, um, the transporter. And they showed off at the uh, you know at, at a conference in, in one in one part of the book. It was like, so we've discovered this great you know this grand new technology. Um, and this is, and we are now open to you know we are now open to questions about our you know about our uh, about our new advancement. And the Klingons go, we have one question: Why does yours make so much noise? And then they beam out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and come to find out, the reason it does is because the Federation version has like a hundred different redundancies that it runs through. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I realize no one asked, but I do have to share this because it's my favorite cocktail of all time. I'm drinking a slow gin fizz tonight. I, you, I, as long as it's real slow gin, as, it, as which is to say, gin that has that has then had slow berries macerated, as opposed to. Stuff that can get sold as slow gin in America, which is neutral grain spirits with artificial slow flavoring. Um, it, it's it's really it's like cough syrup. Right. If you can get some actual slow gin, I use Heyman's. Um, it's just about the tastiest drink in the world. Well, I was just about to ask you because you made that uh, that satisfied noise. Yeah. Like so. Let's see if I had. So if I had my mind to drink here, I, I've got Viking blood at home. Mm, that's an amazing mead. mead. Yeah, Viking blood is good mead. In a heavy ass ceramic bottle. Oh, I still got like I, I, I've I've had I think I bought like three bottles. I kept all the bottles, right? <clears throat> and I'm in the process currently of scraping the labeling off because I could use that as a prop for something, right? And then um, I've also discovered rediscovered my love for. Moscato. Wine's good. I've never. Mm-hmm. I, I I tend to per, to prefer sweeter drinks. This is true, but I like a dry wine too. I just have to be in the right mood for it. Like a good Chardonnay, mm-hmm. uh, with like mixed with. Yeah, well, like especially if you're having it with like, uh, like, Alfredo. Um, Chardonnay pairs so well with a rich like cream sauce. Apparently that's what I've been geeking out over. Food. Um, well, cooking so, uh, is a, is its own subject of geekery. This right? is true. Yeah. And so, especially and, with all the and to be fair, I have actually um, I'm I'm, re- I'm retooling Patreon again, 
um, if we reach, I can't remember what goal, I'm going to begin a food blog. Yeah. Which I have actually been working on anyway. It's, it's going to be called NeilEatsThings.com. <laughs> or may, might, may, it might be NeilEatsStuff.com. I haven't quite worked out whether it should be stuff or things. And food. Food. Because stuff and things, <clears throat> very broad category. Yeah, well. And right. so I've, I've, had the weird, I've had the weird uh, occasion the last few months to take pictures of all of my food before I eat it. <laughs> Be like, this is what it looked like, and it was tasty. <laughs> One so of not those only, people. Not only are we sci-fi geeks, we're also food geeks. I, I, you I know, the older, the older I get, the more I take pleasure in, you know, in, in things like that. Yeah. You know. I, mean, I would consider myself a foodie. I've always, I, I, which I think is one of the most overused terms of all time. Yeah, but I would consider myself someone who, like, actually actively seeks out good and interesting right. food. Yeah. Right. Well, the, uh, yeah, I'd say um, an aficionado, mm-hmm. a, uh, uh, why am I drawing a blank here? The official classical term for it. Right. A, gourmand. Uh, well, that's one, but... I thought um, gourmand was one of the... Yeah, I'll let you know when it, when it... Well, let's find out. ...gets to me. To the internet! <laughs> so, my other thing that I've been geeking out about lately... I guess is because I knew I was going... Okay, so this weekend, I spent the weekend at a uh, RK prep sh- uh, Prepper and Survival show. No, yeah, a gourmand is one who who enjoys eating food, um, as opposed to a gourmet, which uh, it, it, a gourmand is sometimes referred to as a glutton as well. But yeah, that's the word. That's the. Word. <laughs> it sounds so much more civilized and classy when you say gourmand. Right. Yeah. You're a gourmand for punishment. A gourmand. <laughs> or, actually, no. What I should start referring to myself as is an epicurean. There we go, Epicurean. Yeah, yeah. Because that <laughs> that's not up my so ass. So pretentious. <laughs> so yeah, this weekend I'm, I'm at, a, at a prep show um, and getting to hang out with the Second Amendment crowd, which is a really broad, diverse group of people. Um, no way. Yeah, yeah. A group of people that, that shares a single, like, where the only real point of connection is a single... Uh, Point of agreement? Well, that's the thing. Is like in sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of diversity in sexuality, race. Um, you know, we got we we draw a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, the Second Amendment crowd largely draws a lot of white males. Um, I gotta disagree with you. You're, you're, taking, you're taking a specific sample size and then extrapolating that. And well, I think it's a lot more diverse than you can give it credit for. Well, I, I think Michael's right. Well, okay. You know how I much I hate by, to agree with Michael. <laughs> <laughs> i got to go by... No, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of the whole Constitution, but I do right. love the Second Amendment. Yeah. Well, I, and coming from Texas, you know, Second Amendment is like, it's like you know, my blood. It's like uh, high school football. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's on board. Uh, everybody's <laughs> yeah. on board, whether you're on board or not. Yeah. Um, but, no, see, that's the thing is most of what I saw this weekend was a lot of white males. That is a fair statement to make. Um, to say that the entire Second Amendment crowd is no, no, not, and not, not what I said. The most of. It tends to draw a lot of white males. 
I think that is a fair statement. Yeah, it, yeah, that specific. <laughs> sure. um, and that wasn't how, how you worded it the first time, Ben. Mm. We're being pedantic. You can't, you can't stop it. Um, <laughs> can't however, stop within that, you do get a a wildly diverse group of people mm-hmm. as well. Um, and this weekend was a great, you know, was it was a great look at that cross section. Mm-hmm. Because granted, there was a lot of I don't read, like I'm proud of it because reading's bad. <laughs> you know, and, oh, that concept always scares me. I'm sorry. Yeah, it scares the piss out of me too. Yeah, but then the and then again, there was a lot of I don't get a lot of chance to read. You know, and um, you know that makes me sad. That doesn't scare me in it's a different like, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's but, a shame. I'm. It's like I would read a lot more if I had the time. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. That's a that's that's that that's almost an admirable statement. Mm-hmm. I don't read. Yeah. It's not an admirable statement. That's yeah, but I get you know I don't get enough you know I don't get I don't have time to read mm-hmm. a lot of things like that. But then, and a lot of it you know there there is there is a um and there and there is a certain. Subsection or two that has you know a strong distrust of the government, um, but then there's also you know listening to some of the uh, listening to some of the some of the seminars that were being done. Um, you know, it's like how to make your wealth not disappear. You know, the how volatile the dollar is. I'm going, dude. These are <laughs> you know. Yeah, one, one would posit that a lot of the uh, uh, distrust of government, um, uh, you know, mm-hmm. well, I mean, look where you're at with, hey, let's just print a bunch of money. Woo! Right? That solves our problems. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, it makes sense. Well, the dollar is less, volatile, is less volatile than certain other currencies, but because it, but by dint of being a currency that is not, uh, that is not economically tied to a, to a, to a commodity, right. uh, it is, it, it, experiences volatility. Right, because... Yeah, yeah, Not that I'm advocating for the gold standard, because uh, if we try to go back to the gold standard, we would... Uh, run out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 quickly, people would run... The, quickly, the world would run out of gold. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason we abandoned standards was because they are economically untenable once you get to the point of worldwide mega-economies, which is pretty much what we're dealing with. That's not right. digress in economics too much, though. Why not? That's, cool. a, that's perfectly good to geek about. Yeah, that's perfectly That's the thing. About. Right now, we're just talking about... We're just geeking. Yeah, we're just geeking. This is, this is just I going mean, off. But, yeah, at any rate, uh, but it's, you know, like I said, it's, there, there is this broad, I was like, there's this broad definition of what... Because then, there, then there's the girl that comes up to my table. Really better with cross breeze. Sorry. Um, the girl, this girl that comes up to my table who is pregnant and has a, has a kid... And is concerned about, you know, things going south for her. Um, and part of the reason is she's a single mother. Mm-hmm. And um, she's also poor. And she is seeing a lot of things that you know, make it look like you know, Armageddon's coming for her and 98% of the people in the U.S. You know, so I'm sitting here going, hmm, you know, this is a person, I mean, it's a person who is at my table showing genuine fear. 
and you know it was it was kind of interesting that I was able to she ended up buying one of my books my Zompot Survivor book because it's considered a primer for prepping and she you know she I was like well one of the ways that you you know one of the ways that that handling one way of handling a fear is to face it directly and have a plan right you know and I'm going wow this is just you know this is not the person I expected to meet, you know, because mm -hmm. I'm, I mean, I am part of the second, I grew up as part of the second member crowd. Is it one of Dave's rules, always have a plan? Yeah, I always have a plan, always have a plan B. As, isn't that the first rule, actually? Uh, no, first rule is 98% of survival is mental. Uh, well, that's close, then. That's um, um, is that football, too? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, football is, uh, yeah, attitude is everything. Um, well, I meant the, the percentage I of I think mental. it was Yogi Berra who said, who, who said about baseball, 50% of the game is 100% mental. 60% mm -hmm. <laughs> of the time works every time. Right. Um, <clears throat> Then, of course, rule number two is the 2% that's physical is a very important 2%. Indeed. I just want to take a moment here and acknowledge how awesome of a name is Yogi Berra. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you're one away from being named Yogi Berra. Yeah. Right. And I'm not sure who who came first. I don't know. To the yeah. internet. <laughs> yeah. To the internet. <laughs> okay, Google. <laughs> my, my, my thing's not open yet. Oh. At this point, you could probably say it, but... Uh, but yeah, it's okay, Google. the average bear. Okay, Google. Who came first, Yogi Bear or Yogi Berra? According to Wikipedia, Yogi's name was similar to that of contemporary baseball star Yogi Berra, who was known for his amusing quotes such as, Half the lies they tell about me aren't true. <laughs> for defamation, but their management claimed that the similarity of the names was just a coincidence. Hey, there you go. The marvels of modern technology. I had a feeling that Yogi Berra came first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because that seems they like were contemporaneous, is the thing. Well, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of those. Well, even contemporary cartoons, but a lot of the, especially the classic ones, drew their inspiration from you know actual like oh, yeah. people and things. You know, right? Absolutely. Now, I like how I like how uh, Al Blank came up with a voice for Yosemite Sam. Mel Blank? Mel Blank. Mel Blank. I think Mel you just Blank. said Al. Did I say Al? You yeah. said Al? Mel yeah. Blank, yeah. Mel Blank. You cannot call him Al. How did he do that? <laughs> I can't... Well, uh, they were, they were uh, this is digression about... the episode. I think that's what I'm going to call the episode. Right? Yeah. <laughs> this, this is Bunny Trail. Yeah. <coughs> just don't call, just don't call so, it Divergent or else it'll be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Shots fired. <laughs> so they, they had shown this, they, they had uh, drawn the character for him. To come up with a voice for. Now, bear in mind, if you ever watch any of the so old good. Bugs Bunny, uh, Daffy Duck, all of those. The Warner Brothers stuff. All the old Warner Brothers. Yeah, you are actually only hearing one voice. Oh, yeah, Mel Blanc is freaking Mel, crazy. Mel well, Blanc. You're, you're hearing about three voices. Well, yeah, hearing one, but Mel Blanc, he did a lot. Fritz Freeling, and the guy who did Elmer Fudd. <laughs> because, like, it was a very specific guy who did Elmer Fudd because he had that speech impediment. Right. Uh, <laughs> it was still, it was, you know, you're hearing really 90% of the time, you're hearing voice characterization, Mel Blanc. That's it. Everybody, First Mel Blanc, Mel Blanc. Second base, Mel Blanc. Third base, yeah. Mel Blanc. Yeah. Truck stop, Mel Blanc. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Catcher, Mel Blanc. Uh, anyways, so he's in traffic one day uh, trying to figure out, and he's just frustrated as hell because he can't figure out how he wants to make Yosemite Sam sound. 
And um, being, you know, being where he was at the time, I think it was in San, uh, it was New York, basically one of the big cities on the coast. Uh-huh. He's stuck in traffic, and somebody cuts him off, and he leans out, not even deciding to use the horn, and just goes off. He's like, I ought to, and suddenly he stops, and he goes, Oh my God! That I found some. I found him. That's you, Sammy Sam. So yeah, because you got this little bitty cowboy with a great big voice. Well, it just goes to show you never know when inspiration's going to strike. Yeah, reminds me of the. There was a similar story where uh, John Leguizamo, um, the voice of Sid from, uh, from Ice Age, also one of the most fucking prolific actors in uh, yeah. Hollywood today. He, the man, has had consistent work since 1981. <laughs> yeah. And by consistent work, I mean he has been in something that pre- has premiered at least once a year since 1981. Wow. Yeah, that man. The that guy man has is... an IMDb page. Like, damn. Yeah. Um, yeah. The only man who has the only man who compared to him, of course, is Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, who's been in fucking oh, yeah. everything. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he I I did a I did a paper on uh, on Leguizamo at one point, and apparently, um, he. The way he got Sid's voice um, was by getting a head cold from his daughter, <laughs> um, and being and being like a really bad cold, mm-hmm. and being out like for straight for like three days, and waking up with just with like no like like just no sinuses left. Mm-hmm. Everything was just completely congested, and the he realized the way he was talking. Like, holy crap! It's Sid. <laughs> it's Sid. Yeah, and then he called. He's like, and he, he called the the director and goes, "Guess who this is?" That <laughs> <laughs> just goes to show when life gives you a head cold, make really disgusting lemonade. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I see mean, movies were bad. At least the were. first two were. No, no I'm just making a, a pun. I was in comic kind of call it movies. Yeah. I just watched the first one. So yeah, um, yeah. What were we? Ta- oh, right, right. We weren't talking about. Theoretically, we're talking about what are we doing recently? But well, I, I have a, I have a, uh, you know, uh, piggyback off of something Ben said earlier, talking about reading and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, start. I well, I'm actually most of the way through. I was reading it while I was on vacation. Uh, Thrawn by Timothy Zahn. Mm. Cannot recommend that highly enough. So amazing. Is that the is that the new Thrawn? The yeah, one? that's the new one. Oh, okay. It's just called Thrawn. That's it. Cool. And, uh, I was glad they reintroduced Thrawn as official canon material. Right, yeah, me too. He was always my favorite EU yeah. character, which is now Legends. Right. But it's cool that he's canon again. Mm. Uh, well, I, sh- I say again. Um, I mean... So I've been eh. watching... Yeah. You know what? I will argue that, um, that Legends was canon enough. He, well, the thing about Thrawn is he appeared in so many different things. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of hard to just write him off as like, oh, well, he, you know, uh, you could take or leave that, because he just kept popping up everywhere. Yeah. He was in was so books, he was in comics, he was in the TIE Fighter game. There's a cinematic where you see him with his, you know, creepy red eyes and everything. It's great. Yeah. But anyway, Thrawn. Um, it's, it's great because uh, it really, I mean, you know, like the title obviously suggests, it's a very there. There's some other characters and kind of an interweaving story going on, but it's mainly you know him and his career from mm-hmm. from being discovered to um, ostensibly reaching the rank of Grand Admiral. Although we'll see at this point in the book, he's a uh, well, he just got command of his ship, um, so he went 
And it's really interesting because um, I, I, I won't say too many specifics, so I don't spoil everything, but uh, this will be a good teaser. You, um, you have his first encounter with these Imperial troops that stumble across him on this planet that he's exiled to. And it was one of those things where it's like, it seems like there's an entire army of angry natives and it's just him. And then when they, when they, uh, they, they bring him, they actually wind up bringing him to the Emperor. There's actually a short little exchange between him and the Emperor himself. And it's just amazing. Hmm. And it's just like the balls on this guy. Because like everyone else is always just like, oh, OMG, it's the Emperor. And it's like part of it is just... You mean Emperor Palpatine, right? Yes. Okay. I, there are not too many other Emperors. Well, you said he was on this like little planet full of natives. I'm like, the Emperor of that planet? Or? Well, I said the Imperials got him, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. This is, just to be clear on the timeline here, this is, like, um, basically right after, like, the events of... It's, like, essentially right after the uh, events of Episode 3, but before, slightly before Rogue One. It actually has a little, like, timeline thing on the on the books. Well, so, like, so it's, like, Rogue One. So it's, like, 2, 3, BBY. Yeah, more hmm. or less. Because, remember, Episode 3 happens at about 18, BBY. Rogue One happens... Right before yeah. zero BBY. Yeah, this happens like point one BBY. <laughs> right. Yeah. Thing, yeah. Yeah, this is pretty close. And that's actually the, um, that's, well, I, I don't want to provide too much about it. Just read the book, but I was just going to say the... Uh, read the book, sorry. <laughs> yeah. The, um, the exchange between him and the Emperor is really fascinating because it's like, part of it is just that he is who he is, who is this confident, um, brash, yet brilliant... Uh, well, brash probably not the word. I would say um, ambitious. Well, when you're brilliant, you can be brash. Yeah. Well, it's not really brash when you're brilliant. It's mm-hmm. it's more sort of. That's actually that's clo- very close to a line that is said in the book. Actually, yeah. <laughs> it's something to the effect of you know, well, if you're right, it's not brash. You know, <laughs> it's like it's like what uh, it's like what Harry it's like what Harry Dresden says. No, no, no. What we're doing, it, it, it's all it's it, it's um. What, what we are, uh, he's talking with Sonya, and Sonya's like, what we are doing, we are, we are being heroic, right? And uh, Harry's like, no, no, you only get to call yourself heroic if you live. If you die, you're just stupid. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and Sonya says, and what are we doing? And Harry says, something stupid. <laughs> something stupid. But it's a combination of uh, who he is, and then um, as... You know what got him to that point and being exiled in the first place, and then just not knowing any better by being completely outside the known galaxy. So he just kind of like, I mean, he's respectful of the Emperor and stuff, but he's just like, isn't intimidated at all. He just like says it like it is. Like, there's no, there's no like pomp, you know, he's not like, oh, great Emperor, you know, like he's not like Goku talking to the Omni, he's not being all deferential. He's just like, hey, uh, yeah, so this is who I am, and this is, you know, let's. This is what I can do for you. You know, you could help me. I could scratch your back and scratch mine. And, uh, you know, the whole concept of external threats beyond the known you know, galaxy and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, it's it, it's really uh, it's really well written. It's a really cool character study. And, of course, anyone who's already a fan of Thrawn probably already has the book. Right. Anybody who's heard of Thrawn. So that's the thing. is In Star Wars, Disney's not stupid. Thrawn is like Boba Fett. Yeah. In that... He is a character that we see first, you know, in one book. And, you know, he just keeps, like you said, he keeps popping back up because the yeah. fans love him. Yeah. 
You know. I mean, Boba Fett had, what, three lines in all of the movies he was in? Like seven all told? Hey, let's, let's, play, uh, let's play name name that line. Name so he would get all three lines. He's no good to me He's dead. He's no good to me dead. Um, um, as you wish. As you wish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, which, you know, Buttercup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, draw your own conclusions. Yeah, draw your own conclusions. Because <laughs> yeah, the Vader... Uh, uh, well, and then I guess there's a giant guttural scream as he's trying to Yeah, and yeah. the Wilhelm's almost, except it's not actually the Wilhelm scream. Yeah, right. although they do right. use the Wilhelm. Yeah. Um, but then... Uh, I don't know if that counts as three or not, but... <laughs> but it is amazing, given how little he did... Like, yeah. how little he said. Yeah. The all, things he did... Yeah. All that Boba Fett did was stand around and look menacing. For the most part, Return right. of the Jedi is really the only. No, because at the start, like his, his only like action scene is it well. Well, he kind of no. shot at Luke for a little while in Cloud City, I guess. Right. Well, and the thing is, is though with Boba Fett, the one thing he did in Empire that you know has everybody going, holy crap! I mean, he outwits Han freaking Solo with his own game. Yeah, he he hangs out in the trash and then follows. Yeah, everybody else is going. There, you know, there's. There's a poetic justice to that. <laughs> right? We just float away with all the rest of the trash. You know, and yeah. uh, you have your moments. Not many yeah. of them, but you have them. <laughs> and, you know, um, yeah, what's in there? Um, yeah, he's no good to be dead. Um, that, and he, he lips off to Vader. Yeah, he That's does. the other big thing. He, yeah, he lips yeah. off, and Vader does not force choke him. Yeah. Tarkin mm-hmm. is the only other person who really pulled that off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tarkin is the only other person who could yank Vader's chain mm-hmm. and get away with it, aside from Leah. Because you'll note, Leah smarts off to his ass, too. Darth Vader. Oh. I, thought I, I thought I detected your foul stench when you gave a bore. Yeah, that, was that, that was Tarkin. Yeah. Vader? Only, no, it's Vader. Only you could be so bold. Yeah, Tarkin was the one with the foul stench. <laughs> right. Mm. Charming to the last. Yes. <laughs> See, and that's that's the thing. is That's the other thing. You're right. It was, it was Tarkin's foul stench. You may find one ready. Oh man! Another man that does so much with so few lines. Yes, he does. I mean, but he but he had the benefit of being British. Yes, you know, he had true. the benefit of beating being Peter Cushing. Well, to be fair though, everyone in the Empire is friggin' British, and he really stood out. All villains are British. Yes, um, oh, or Russian. Yeah, or, or or Russian anymore. Or German. Um, or what? Or German. Or or German. Strange. Nazis. Right. Not, that should not be equating Germans and Nazis, but yeah, uh, everyone's either British, uh, communist, or Nazi. Right. And strange coincidence. All of the major antagonists in our in our country is wars. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. It's Imagine, like funny it's, how that works. It, it's almost as though Hollywood is a subtle arm of the propaganda machine of the United States of America. Oh wait. <laughs> but that that would be a conspiracy theory. No, it's it's more. Well, I mean, they literally did propaganda. Oh yeah, like, yeah. during the war. Not I no, mean, actually, the, the army has its own propaganda wing. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. So does the air force. Yeah, the interesting. Own, and they make their own movies. Well, the interesting thing is. And uh, video games. The the word propaganda <laughs> is a word that always have that almost always has a negative connotation to it, but it's not inherently negative. True. We, we need propaganda. No. We need people to to buy the bonds and to sign up. Technically speaking, all advertisement is propaganda. Right. Well, technically speaking, all patriotism is propaganda. Well, anything, anything, really. Technically speaking, I think this podcast could probably be construed as propaganda if you wanted to get... We're elevating geekery. Well, actually, we could also be considered sedition. 
Depending upon the uh, beca- depending on the propaganda, we that's counter. why I try so hard to keep us from getting political. Right. Uh, well, we have this we have this thing here in America called the First Amendment. Yeah. yeah. We're not we're not plotting to overthrow the government or something. You aren't. <laughs> yeah. So I think we're okay. Yeah, I'm not because I, I I like having you know the government is part of the government. Keep the, the, I don't know. You, you went to that uh, <laughs> you went to that convention. You might be on a list now. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how fucking many lists Ben is on? I should say another list. Yeah, because I, I mean I, I I started I I have not not been on a list since I was 18. Right. You don't get an air, you don't get a, a clearance in the air force. Yeah, you have a collection of lists now. <laughs> I would yeah. like to point out that I am definitely on. At the very least, I can never commit a crime because well, mm-hmm. um, my fingerprints are on record because I worked for the postal service. My fingerprints are on record because I worked for the, the military. Was in the military, but um, I can yeah. So if I ever I decide do, to break the law, I have to wear gloves. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, and the thing is, 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 I've been on a list of some sort since 1986. When you saw your name on a list of coded documents? Uh, no, no, that was 1988 oh. um, or 1987, um, and that was an update. Um, <laughs> that was an update to a list. Here is the crap he's been up to so far. Right. <laughs> well, because when I when I of course. You know, they crawled up my life from the microscope um, when I was in high school. After I, after I got out of high school and joined the military, because I wanted to be a, a computer operator, and evidently a computer operator in the Air Force, you're a communication systems operator. Basically, we were the internet before it was the internet. Yeah. Um, you yeah. and some guys at MIT. Well, I mean, <laughs> the U.S. military. Yeah. Um, was the internet before it was the internet? Yeah. Uh, we had, we would get only in in those days the the internet was a teletype machine. We would yeah, get telex. you know we would get messages, but we could also type them up and send them directly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, because I was assigned to a B one bomber base, I had to have a top secret clearance that you know. Um, and you, then do, is, you don't get those lightly. <laughs> you don't get those lightly. But the thing is, is this is another thing: compartmentalization. A top secret clearance is like generic shit. Yeah, it's yeah. it's the you know, but there are. You need. I, I want to um, say, isn't the highest one code word classification? Uh. Uh-uh. Um. No. The, the the thing is, there is no highest clearance. Mm-hmm. Um, no. Yes, there is. It's called being the president of the United States. No, even he. There, there shit. Even he doesn't get to know. Um, the reason for that is, like, I had what was called top secret psyop esi clearance. That meant my clearance was specific to um, basically communications dealing with nuclear targeting and and stuff like that because we were nuclear based. That's right, everybody. Ben was in charge of the nukes. Isn't that a scary thought? <laughs> no, I wasn't in charge of the nukes. I was in charge of telling them where the nukes went. <laughs> Which is well, in, I mean, that's equally scary. Yeah, right? yeah. But you so, may not be the person who 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 pulls the trigger, but you're the guy who points the gun. No, I'm the guy who delivers the message that tells them where to point the gun. Which you could have doctored. Yeah, I, I, uh, it's kind of hard, but I could have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it would have. I, I could very easily. But anyway, you could have started World War Three if you had really want. If you had really felt seditious. If I really well. If you had really wanted to go to be executed for treason, yeah. I would have had to work really hard at it. But I probably could have. But yeah. But see, psyop as I. Um, but then there, then there was the you know the the various other clearances on that base. I counted at one point when we were 
trying to go through and because we had we were going through at one point and doing something and I counted 53 different piles of different classifications under top secret um, we had some of these things we were had to write in in pen some were so common that we had rubber stamps for them uh, you know, no foreign wintel, uh, no contract, and just you know all. Kinds You're not of giving things. away state secrets, are you? No, because this is well known. This is this is this is okay. Well good, because I, uh, I don't I don't want the FBI knocking on my door again. <laughs> again, <laughs> but yeah, no, it wouldn't be the FBI. Um, <laughs> You're right. It would be the MPs. Uh, it would be it would be uh, uh, OSS OSI. Um, yeah. Anyways, the the thing is. is <laughs> It's so compartmentalized that, you know, I have a top-secret clearance. Yeah, I have a top-secret clearance. It's about an inch wide, <laughs> you know. And and uh, even the president's... Well, the, the width of the classified information and how you use it is really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is true. But, I mean, there's there's top-secret information. I see what you did there, Mom. Yes, thank you. <laughs> it's really yeah, how you use it. But, yeah, <laughs> most, most top-secret or most classified, uh, most clearances are very, very narrow. Um, and even even if I'm clear, even if I'm clear, uh, um, cleared. Cleared. Yeah, not no technical term. Well, even if I am of the level for it, if I don't have a need to know, I still can't look at top secret SIAP. I still couldn't look at top secret SIAP yeah. SI stuff right. if I was not specifically supposed to. Yeah. Now, granted, everything that came into the base electronically, <laughs> I saw. So you know, I had to be able to. But yeah, that's that's the weird thing about clearances is that that mm -hmm. you know they're very very focused. Um, there is no top. You know, now, granted, the president can say, "That's not classified." Yeah, exactly, exactly. The president can simply override everybody and go, "That's not classified anymore." Well, you know, there's a there's a recently a bunch of JFK documentation and stuff. That came out, you know, from the JFK presidency and related to the assassination and everything. That just, it was like fifty years or whatever. There's like a sunset thing, and just mm -hmm. it's all just. I mean, yeah. obviously we have heard about it. If there's anything particularly earth shattering, which yeah. there wasn't. Well, but it is interesting. You know, it, 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 it turns out that they weren't on the grassy knoll. They there were, uh, they, they were actually at a completely different the the the, the were a completely different spot. Right. right. It was, <laughs> so it was you know what I've been geeking out about this week. <laughs> <laughs> to try and uh, to try and, and force this back onto at least a similar a slight track. Um, what we're gonna get on topic? What yeah. the hell? Well, the idea was we would talk about what we've been doing lately, and right. uh, we we have a wonderful digression, which is which is why I was digressing from the economic stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, so yeah, um, my week has been involved with four things. Um, getting back to my roots as as a as as a. Uh, as an American otaku, um, I've been rereading Ranma One Half, and I have been uh, watching Azumanga Daio, which is one of my favorite anime. Yeah. <laughs> Azumanga Daio. It sounds this like one. The, it sounds like the the, the the course to a song. It sounds yeah. like something from Mary Poppins. It's this yeah. it's it's this box set that I'm holding up for the for everyone on uh, on to the internet to hear. So the girl on the front in the front looks like she has like. Rabbit ears. Um, Chio has interesting. Uh, Chio Chan has interesting hair things. They're like buns, and yeah, they're weird. And they, and it gets pointed out on more than one episode. Um, so what is Azumanga Dayo? Azumanga Dayo is a high school slice of life mm -hmm. anime, ostensibly. 
Mm -hmm. But it ha it mixes in a lot of elements of surrealism. What Japanese anime that does weird shit? Well, no, no, no. it's like <laughs> no. no, no I'm, I'm talking about the actual like genre of sh of surrealism. Right. Like traditional surrealism. Yeah. Not not that not because it's out, out there weird, but because right. I think a lot of it was intentional. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And. Well, and, but that's the thing, is Japanese animation, Jap anime, I've noticed, uh, one of the things I love about it, mm -hmm. is they're not afraid to do, just, you know, they're not afraid to do something very artistic, just like yeah. when we discussed. Yeah. Like, like, we're talking about Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. Where it has yeah. this, this the, the actual original, just to be clear, the original 96, I think it was. Ghost um, in the Shell anime. Anime, yeah. yeah. It had this. It had these like quiet, interesting moments, and just like the like the chanting and type stuff. Yeah, yeah. Choir type stuff. And it just yeah. gave you this. Weird, it gave you a feeling. Yeah. It had it. it, it didn't well, a lot of Japanese art. Lot. Yeah. Keep in mind, there is a lot. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that comes out of Japan, which is crap. Well, yeah. Um, just because there is a lot of things that I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get murdered on the internet by all the weeaboos. Um, <laughs> I like a lot of anime, but you can't you can't say that there isn't that, that everything that comes out of Japan is amazing and awesome. Right. But at the same time, Japan does have a, does have a culture that supports so well mm -hmm. the elevation of any one sort of thing to the absolute pinnacle of art. Right. Like. You get people who spend 60 years learning how to perform the tea ceremony. Right. Well, it's like, yeah. It's or like, you get, like, Jiro, the, the sushi guy, who... Right. Like, he's 80 years old, and he, ha he has a restaurant that has 10 seats, and if you are lucky, you can pay, like, $10,000 to be at one of those... Five years from now. I was going to give you the age-old example of the, like, you know, the, the, you know, the katana expert, like the, you know, the official, I don't even know what the official term mm -hmm. is, of, I mean, for, you know, like a specialized blacksmith, weaponsmith, yeah, well, yeah. whatever that. It would just be black, it would just be blacksmith. Just blacksmith, yeah. that's swordsmith. it. Okay, yeah. I'm over yeah, swordsmith, but. Just swordsmith. Yeah, yeah. all, the, but, but, you know, and, and that's actually kind of interesting because originally katana, to a certain extent, were simultaneously mass produced and not right. Like you could get, you could go and just guy get the guy who did, but but you could also, like, uh, to talk back about our Final Fantasy episode a little bit from last week. Um, there's you know the weapon, the Masamune. Right. Masamune is named after, uh, I can't remember what his non-family name was, but Masamune, the swordsmith. Right. Of which there's like I want to say. 50 or so remaining examples of his work that are intact and are completely priceless and you know and if you took a moment to hone them would you know be terrifyingly deadly weapons right um if they're not if they aren't currently in the museums where they are yeah um well, in the museum well I mean to the Japanese because you can do anything mm -hmm. and focus on that be, they, they, there is a there, there is a, there is a you know a a, a a 
it, it, it's something very uniquely Japanese in terms of culture where you can focus all of your effort and all of your attention on perfecting one art. One art, one thing. Down to flower arranging. Yeah. I mean, that's when you think of it. That there's a Zen flower arrangement, you know. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called now. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. Though. I'm gonna find the term. But yeah, the Japanese culture does. I think I don't know. I, I feel I feel that you, you actually you see a good a bit a good bit of that in the United States as well, just in a different context. Whereas you know the rugged individualism and you know entrepreneurship and all that stuff mm-hmm. and the old school Protestant work ethic, et cetera, et cetera, like. It, the the culture isn't as uniform in the sense that of yeah. course if you're not all Ikebana, together I was so close Ikebana, yeah. Ikebana. yeah there you go if you're not all together on a small island all crammed together obviously when you're spread way out yeah well, have, but but the but but the the celebration of people who like who take the time to completely master things that all uh, that to a certain extent America would think is very mundane like Ikebana. It's flower arrangement, right? But it's so much more. Yeah, and, and, as, and you as get an people who, who all they do is ikebana for you know their entire life, and they are celebrated and venerated for it, as opposed to just being like, yeah, you, you arrange flowers good. Well, okay, I'm a prime example of the difference between American approach to that mm-hmm. and. The Japanese approach to that, because quite frankly, I'm not all that amazing. I just happen to. Sorry, hear. <laughs> I have to agree. You're 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 a cool guy, but <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wouldn't I describe you as amazing. Well, I would describe me as amazing, but you know, on different levels. <laughs> but as a writer, I mean, I, I know, um, you know, I, I'm friends with a writer who is a Philip K. Dick Award recipient. Uh, recipient. Mm-hmm. But she's not writing for a living. But I am. And there are days when I'm sitting here going, that's just not fucking fair. No, it isn't. You know, Marguerite you, Reed should be making lucky. more money than Ben Reader. Mm-hmm. You know? Honestly, uh, from, from a lot of what I've seen, you are an immensely lucky man. But, you know. I am. I really am. Um, I'd but, rather be lucky than good most days. But still, I'm good enough. <laughs> I mean, I'm good, but I'm not. I'm not on her level. Yeah. You know, but and see, here's the other thing I think is different between America and Japan. In Japan, because I had a talent for story writing, even as a poor or a middle class kid, it would have been seen to that I was trained in that. Yeah. To the maximum ability, you know, to my maximum ability. Yeah. In America, and well, we've had assuming you had, I mean, still assuming you have supportive parents, mm-hmm. but um, you well, know. the the flip side to that, I feel, is um, that people who may have a talent for something, but they may not have the inclination to actually do that, are then hyper pressured by their family and society to do it, do it, do it, and do it forever because you you owe it to us and. In that is, know, that everyone is to do very these things too. I yeah. Like you as, look at as King much of the Hill and yeah. the, I mean, granted, we're talking Laotian now instead of Japanese, but you get the you know yeah. the idea was you know Khan yeah. uh, Junior was doing all this violin stuff and everything, and she hated it yeah. because her parents made her do it from the earliest age. And yeah. I I would I will say this. I 
I like a lot of aspects of Japanese culture. Mm-hmm. I can't, uh, the the Jap- the Japanese work ethic, while yeah, is, while intrinsically linked to a lot of things that I like about Japan. It's also suicide. Are yeah, it, it, there's yeah, it's a great reason. if you survive to point X first. When I was in Tokyo um, a few years back, um, there was a time when everybody had to get off the train. Uh, because somebody had jumped in front of the train ahead and they had to reroute the lines while they cleaned the tracks. And the thing that was sad about it was not just that somebody had committed suicide, but how... Routine it was? Everyone, like, um, like I, I, was, I was with uh, so Sensei at the time, so, I, so she was like telling me what was happening because... All the announcements were in Japanese, and I, I speak a good amount of Japanese, but I don't understand the word for suicide um, because I never learned it. Well, anything over an intercom is inherently difficult. Yeah, more difficult. Um, right, English. I, over I don't speak Japanese at uh, at speed. Um, right. <laughs> but she, was, but she was like, "Oh yeah, uh, it sounds like somebody killed themselves," and even Sensei, who had just been making every every other yearly trips. Was like okay, well then we need to go get on this train so we can get to the place we were going. Right. Yeah. And everyone just kind of shuffled off the train and immediately just started making for the right for for the connecting train that, that they needed to make to right. get to work on, back, get back to work on time or what have you. And you know that uh, that if anyone came in late. It was only going to be slightly late, and when the boss says, "Why are you late?" they say, "Somebody jumped in front of someone jumped in front of the Ikeborka, uh, you know, the of the of the insert train line," and the boss would be like, "Oh, okay." And it's so sad. Yeah. Yeah. You know that they've got, if something happens often enough that they've developed coping, you know, coping uh, strategies for yeah. you know for how it inconveniences their day. But by the same token, uh, this is something we've discussed before too. In America, I have a I have a talent for writing. You know, I like writing, but I would you know, but because I'm middle middle class, you know, grew up poor to middle class. Oh, you shouldn't do that. You need to do something where you're going to make it. You know, and we're discouraged from going all in. Now, if we can find a good medium between the Japanese version, you know. Where we celebrate without all that extra stress, yeah. you know. And to, you know, to be fair, I don't think that that's. Uh, I, I don't think that um, people that are people that grow up wealthy don't have those those things either. Because there's a lot of like, oh well, you come from this, so you have to run this company. You have to be a doctor. You have to be a lawyer. You have to do this. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I think that goes across all so, socio economic lines. Yeah. To an extent. It, honestly, it's just really more sort of. Um, we are, you know, we are what we are. Well, yeah. And, I mean, like, my parents were like, okay, yeah, you, you, like, I said at the time, I said when I was in finishing high school, I want to go to, I want to go to college and I want to study theater. And they're like, okay, go for, go for it. Cool. I wanted um, to as well. I was told not to do that. Yeah. Um, now, I kind of wish I'd been told not to do that or I'd been given a little bit of, you know, hey, Neil, you should maybe think about that a little bit more because I'm, mm-hmm. you know... I was thirty thousand dollars in debt with a, with a degree that I couldn't use by the time I was done with it because I didn't really put in work yeah. like I should have, which and a lot of that's on me. I, I'll, mm. I will I will own that, but 
Um, so I know. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I feel like in America or in Japan, there is everybody's going to have be thing have things slightly different. Right. Well, see, for me, the way the way it came to, um, I could have gone to college. I mean, with my ACT scores, um, my freshman year was halfway done. Um, Angelo State University was just going to credit, <laughs> you know, English 101, Math 101. You know, it's like all your... I, all started, your I started college as a sophomore but, uh, because I had ACT scores uh, and AP credits. But I had to take any math or history. For that matter. Because I was going to learn to become a computer operator. Nice. Had I actually learned my craft early, I would probably have been published in the 80s or 90s. I would have been among the names like Gail Badino, uh, you know, Jim Hines. Uh, Jim Butcher would be looking up to me. Yeah, but I wouldn't know you. You wouldn't be part of my podcast. So. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, obviously, what's more important to you, Ben, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know what's important to you. <laughs> but, you know, the, the thing being is, is that, you know, it, it's... I'm, I'm, because here's what I'm predicting for you. Mm-hmm. You're, you're. I mean, you're not thirty yet, right? I'm not there. Not quite there yet. You, if you continue on the arc that you're on, you in theory could end up being published by the time you're thirty, or you know, or in your thirties, mm-hmm. as opposed to in your forties, because while. It's fun to be able to say, I did this weird thing for a living. Mm-hmm. I had to do that weird thing for a living. I had to shovel chicken shit. <laughs> you know, I had to, I had to, uh, you know, um, d- you know, work in construction and things like that. I would love to have rather, I would rather love to have say, yeah, well, you know, I got my first, uh, I got my first royalty check at, you know, 35, as opposed to, I got published at 43. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Anyhow, um, other things I've been geeking out about. <laughs> what else have you been geeking out about? Swerve! Back into the... In, into the tra- um, in front of the train. Yeah. Um, other things I've... Um, I have... Uh, instead of, you know, cleaning my house like I should be... Um, I have been. We can't uh, see you. Don't don't let on. <laughs> uh, it's self self denigration in humor is uh, something I, I will never get away from. Uh, but uh, the other things I've been doing, uh, like I said, watching *Azamanga* die, reading *Run* uh, one half. Um, uh, Steam summer sale just hit, and I bought *Darkest Dungeon*, and I've been teaching myself to mod. Uh, because I discovered I don't actually really like Darkest Dungeon as it initially set, uh, exists. I'm sorry. And my accomplishment is refraining from buying things. And this, I'm 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 going. Is it three days now? I'm three days. Well, I've been wanting Darkest strong. Dungeon for a long time because it. I love the look of it. Yeah. And I like a lot of the thought process. I just I found myself uh-huh. disliking a large number of the mechanics. Well, if you had something in mind and then you pounce on a good sale, more power to you. I'm just yeah. saying, whenever one of these seasonal or holiday type sales comes out, it's always an exercise in uh, willpower. Yeah. yeah, it's self restraint. Yeah. And the other thing I've been doing is I've been watching, I've been rewatching Rick and Morty. Oh my goodness! Uh, if if people have not seen Rick and Morty, see Rick and Morty. It's it's. Well, I mean, like, okay, let me let me amend this statement. I do not know the demographics of my listeners. 
I do know that we have a few. Um, my web website analytics tells me this. Don't watch Rick and Morty if you're under, like, I don't know, 15, 16, or at least that general level of maturity. Right. If we have any 12-year-olds, one, stop listening to my fucking podcast. We swear a lot. <laughs> Two, uh, don't watch Rick and Morty. Um, for one, a lot of the humor will go over your head. And for another, um, it's, uh, while it's hilarious... Um, it's it's, it's kind of like Archer, where it's it's a crude hilarious. Yeah, it, it it's a hilarious. It, it, it's a lot of the humor is based off of lowest common denominator. Well, no, it, it not, yeah, not would, so I much. Put it that way. But it's very it, the humor is very. It's not even blue humor. It's 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 dark humor. Right, mm-hmm. and, and that's actually a perfect time. What I was going to uh, say to that is that. Uh, George Carlin is filthy. He is definitely not lowest common denominator. No, yeah, brilliant yet filthy. Yeah, and and, and dark. A yeah, lot of dark he, humor. It's a too. it's a very it's a lot yeah. of dark or even black humor, and right. black in terms of morality. Not and actually, the thing is, I, I would disagree. George Carlin appeals to lowest common denominator. He's fucking brilliant, but he's also aiming at the little guy, anyways. When yeah. you look at a lot of his leanings. You know, he's very much about 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 the average guy. Well, I think I think earlier, earlier, early in his career, you saw more of that. Yeah. And as like slowly but surely, as his career trajectory went on, mm-hmm. then um, he got away from that to an extent as he built his following. But I think part of that is just being pragmatic and going, "Hey, let's let's cast a wide net here so that I can, you know." Make money and have people show up to my shows. And other thing I've been watching has been uh, been rewatching the Mission Impossible movies. I feel like we should do an episode on those. I am way behind on those, man. I have the last one I saw was three. I'm like two movies behind now. And um, Ghost Nation is on. uh, Ghost Protocol. No. No. Ghost Protocol. Yes. Yeah, I'm talking. Rogue no. Nation. Ironic, Ghost, I'm the yeah. one who hasn't seen it. It's Ghost Protocol and it's I have Rogue Nation. Kind of I'm right. sorry. Rogue <laughs> Nation is on is on Hulu. Uh, Ghost Protocol. I don't know. Um, I actually was the newest one, isn't it? Yeah, and that was one I actually went and saw in theaters because I had time and money, and I was like, "What do I want to do for the next three hours?" <laughs> right? Hey, uh, there, there's a new, uh, there's a, there's a new uh, Motion Impossible movie. Why don't I go see that? Does Tom, <laughs> Cruise, just, does, does Tom Cruise run a lot? Uh, he, it looks grim. Well, he's kind of getting old now, so he's playing more of a grizzled. Yeah, person, which I, I really like. I, I yeah. like. Well, I like his look in Collateral quite a bit. Yeah, I like. I like. A, I, li- I really like grizzled. I'm too. I'm starting. Just, a, a lot of. Uh, uh, he, he's he's been. He keeps playing the same character. He yeah. keeps playing essentially Ethan Hawke. The thing is, a lot more now. Um, Wait, he keeps. What was his character? He keeps on playing Maverick. Yeah, <laughs> but a lot of the time. To- a lot of the time now. Um, the other thing he keeps playing is I'm too old for this shit. By the way, Brett Maverick, Superior Maverick. <laughs> it's Very like he's true. just... A, a lot. Of, I feel like a lot of what he does, a lot of the characterization he gives off, especially in, in most recent uh, yeah. uh, Mission Impossible movies, is sick of this shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you combine his actual age and yeah. how many movies in you are in the franchise, you kind of have to go in that direction. I know, but it, mm-hmm. it's, it's really kind of interesting. It's like... Or, or like Jack Reacher, which is Ethan Hunt, 
is, you said is Ethan sick Hawk entirely, you, didn't you? Huh? You said Ethan Hawk earlier. No, I said Ethan Hunt. I'm pretty sure you said. Um, Ethan. I only heard Ethan. I only heard the Ethan first. Hunt. The first time you said Ethan. I said Hunt. Hunt. I didn't catch it. No, no. Okay. the recording so, will bear me out. All right. Now the thing is, is when he's playing Jack Reacher, he's still sick of this shit. Well, that's Jack. Jack that's Jack Reacher to begin with, but yeah. he's playing Ethan Hunt without the gadgets. Yeah. And anger issues. <laughs> or like in Night and Day, he was. Wasn't that more Jason Bourne at that point? Yeah. Well, yeah. Now Night and Day. I actually I don't normally like Cruise that much, but Night I really enjoyed Night and Day. That Night was a lot of fun. Night and Day we actually got to see Tom Cruise playing to his comedic chops. Yeah. And he's a funny man. He can be. I liked I like the gallows humor of Lestat in Interview with the Vampire, quite honestly. Yeah. You know one of my I, I, one of my favorite um, roles that I've ever seen Tom Cruise do was um, I can't think of the actress, the character's name suddenly, but uh, the movie producer in Tropic Thunder. Oh yeah, well no one remembers the name; they just remember the performance. Yeah, and yeah, he's apparently name. getting an, it, it, that character is apparently getting a spin-off movie really? because he was so good. That's crazy. Les Grossman, that was his name. Oh yeah, I, I feel like an entire <laughs> movie is too much though. Uh, it's definitely too much. It's, it's like not, it's gonna bomb hard. It's, yeah, yeah. It's like in S, it's like uh, when in SNL in like the eighties, late eighties and nineties, where they kept doing all those spin-off movies. Now some were great, like Wayne's World, Wayne's World Two. Some were terrible, like It's Pat the Movie. Okay. Stewart saves yeah. his family. Oh yeah. my god. Now, yeah, or uh, I, I, superstar. Uh, yeah. Now I, I have to say, what is your opinion of Blues Brothers? Oh, the original is great. The second one is like Good eh. boy. Good boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sit, boo boo, sit. <laughs> okay. The Blues Brothers, you got you got Belushi. Yeah, and yeah. Ackroyd. And Ackroyd. You could give Ackroyd, I mean, Ackroyd carried a movie based on one shtick, The Couch Trip, where he plays a, a guy in a minimum security prison who imitate, who basically escapes by um, impersonating his uh, the the prison psychiatrist who is taking the place of a radio psychologist. Oh yeah, I do remember that now. I knew that was funny. Yeah, the country. And, and I'm not sure I've seen that, but it sounds he, interesting. Yeah, and and he basically he's this good. He's this. And the thing is, is accurate can play the con man with a heart of gold like nobody's business. Oh yeah. But you know, he the whole thing is about a, a psychologist. He's he's imitating the psychologist on a pop radio show. Doctor Fraser Gray, huh? Doctor Fraser Gray, almost, almost, yeah. It's it's <laughs> and a and, good show. and he carries the entire movie, just that, <laughs> you know. Um, and it just you got you got talent like him and Belushi when he was alive. Yeah. Belushi, for all he didn't say much, was you know. Well, he had this like magnetism to him. You yeah. Know? yeah. Apparently he, he was. Apparently he was just about the worst person ever to work with. But that was because he was very much a crazy method actor. Well, no, that was because he was coked up half the time. Well, that too. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I mean, I, you can you can, I, you can drug say addiction. That. Drug addiction is a horrible thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, because it took John but, Belushi from us. 
No, John, John Belushi? John. John. G- oh, John Belushi. Jim okay. Belushi Jim is, is the lesser Belushi. Is the no, lesser I was expecting John Candy. He's actually, he's actually not untalented, but he's no... Oh, he's he's not his brother John. Yeah, he's... Yeah, but the thing is, is Jim Belushi also is is very approachable. Mm-hmm. He, he always plays that a very approachable person. But John Belushi, yeah, because he was always... There was always that little wall between him and the, and the audience. Mm-hmm. But, you know... Um, because he always played these characters that you just didn't get, and that was part of the fun. Well, yeah, the whole like the the mysterious, weird quality to the characters that he played, mm-hmm. where you're just like, what is that guy's deal? Right. <laughs> like, well, what's like, going on in that head? Like samurai, whatever. Yeah, the samurai yeah. character. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Samurai, samurai restaurant man, or, yeah. yeah, samurai waiter. I think it was. Well, samurai, whatever. He would always do you know, the samurai character. You know, and yeah, he showed up. Yeah, we should do a Saturday Night Live episode at some point. Yeah, because you know, because never speaks a word of English. But or Japanese for that matter. I would right. like to point it's that gibberish. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gibberish. Yeah, he's gibberish. Yeah, total gibberish, but it's funny as fuck. You know, so you've got that kind of talent, you know, with the Blues Brothers. And I'm sorry, Mike fucking Myers is, I mean, he is... He wasn't in the Blues Brothers. No, no, but I'm talking about Wayne's World. Okay. Yeah, to go to... to, to say, he wasn't in Blues Brothers. you got to give us a transition there. Yeah. Yes. But, you know, with, with, with Wayne's World, uh, with Wayne's, Mike Myers. Well, and the chemistry with him and Dana Carvey's. Yeah, you know, amazing. Chemistry and Yeah, you know, and, and and well, the chemistry with him and any anybody anybody he actually works to, because yeah. he plays so well to anybody he's paired with. Yeah, Mike Myers is a. What do you want, phone? Um, is a. I think I feel like he. Mike Myers has been good in every movie I've seen him in, mm-hmm. even the bad movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, he's been in a lot of bad movies. Yeah. But he has never been bad in them. Right. No, yeah. he's, I mean, he's, he's a, he's a... Guy needs to learn to pick scripts better. He does. Uh, <laughs> so I married an expert or, you know. Um. <laughs> you can always do the Samuel L. Jackson method and say yes to everything. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Do actually, people should, don't notice. I should contact him and see if he'll be on my podcast. Right. Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, just yeah. Send, send a thing to, to, his, to his agent and be like, hey, I'll pay Sam Jackson $1,000 to be on a podcast. <laughs> and and just be here. What we, yeah, we do with Sam Jackson and John Leguizamo. <laughs> so fuckers are in everything. <laughs> Well, Leguizamo, I, uh, um, Leguizamo, uh, unfortunately does does tend to get typecast a lot. Um, well, he's his. Well, if, if you're if yeah. you're working that consistently in Hollywood, but you're not like a big A-lister, you got to kind of accept some of that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Leguizamo is Leguizamo. A lot of his credits um, are as the Hispanic guy. Right. Right. Uh, frequently. The Hispanic gangster, oddly enough, yeah, partially because one of his big breakout roles was in right. Carlito's Way. Well, I mean, John Wick, I mean, there he is. Yeah. You know, I'm going, fuck, it's John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo's in everything. He's in everything, right? You, you know what? This is going to sound kind of weird. John Leguizamo's not in this, but Sam Jackson is. <laughs> I feel like, uh, and this is, this is definitely meant as a compliment, John Leguizamo showing up in a movie is like when you have those extra fries in the bag. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. you're yeah, just like, a, oh sweet! I wasn't expecting this. But yeah, he's a great. He is a solidly good actor, and yeah. he did a lot of stand-up before he did, was in movies. Oh, yeah. And his stand-up's fucking hilarious too. If you his can find it, stand-up is fucking awesome. Yeah, and, and and he's you know, I think was it was his first movie, The Jerk, or not The Jerk? Sorry, that's Martin. Wrong one. The Pest. The, he was in The Pest. I don't know if that was his first movie. 
One the of thing is, he's been in so fucking many movies. Yeah, it's almost like <laughs> led you lost to the to the depths of time. Yeah, I'm um, anyway because you got to scroll for a year. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> Fine, I'll look it up. Uh, but to yeah. the internet. <laughs> Captain Internet. I need a. I, I need like a little thing that uh, plays. You need a that, sound effect every yeah. time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah, we needed it. We needed to the yeah. internet drinking game. <laughs> every time we go check something out on the internet. <gasps> oh, speaking of drinking games, I saw something um, that I, I definitely need to check out one of these days. Uh, there's a game called Drinking Quest that is huh. a combination of tabletop RPG and drinking game. Huh. I keep meaning to get us together at that some point. Me. And record us playing a game of Red Dragon Inn. <laughs> and then play the drinking game variant of Red Dragon Inn. Oh, dear God. Um, Kill ourselves. Okay, well, yeah, give me a second. I've got to scroll back in time. <laughs> um, okay, I'm sorry. It was 1984 where his first acting credits start showing up. At least as a character, the guy has an IMDb page of uh, of fuck off because he's got. <laughs> well, no, okay, so he's got actor one hundred thirty eight credits. God. He's got uh, writer ten credits, producer seventeen credits, soundtrack six credits, director one, thanks three, self one hundred eighteen, and arcade <laughs> footage eight. Um, See, when you work that consistently, you have to wear at least a few different hats. Yeah, no shit. Um, It's like, what does he walk around and go, so you're a director. (laughs) How does that work? (laughs) By the way, um, just kind of a random thing that popped in my head because you're crawling through his IMDb. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been finishing the last um, bit of Sons of Anarchy on Netflix. And uh, Peter Weller directed some of those episodes. I didn't know yes, that Peter did. Weller directed. Yeah, he uh, he started getting into directing. I think anyone with... who ends up, anyone who's in front of the camera, uh, consistently all, for a while, consistently yeah. for a while, eventually gets a chance to get behind it for right. at least like an episode or two. Right. Yeah, just What's to like... try it out. Well, yeah. but, then, but then you've also got these actors who are. Good actors, frequently for TV shows as opposed to movies, right. right? But are fucking amazing directors. Jonathan Frakes, oh yeah, decent actor, but goddamn. First thing he was ever in was apparently a movie called Mixed Blood. Carlitos Way didn't come out until '93. Past right. was '94. Hmm. Oh, so okay, I was he, way off base. So you know, he was his first movie, not his breakout role. I, I would say that was probably so. his one of his breakout roles. Um, so. Okay, so um, here was his. Here are his credits from 1984 to Carlito's Way. He was in Madonna Borderline, which was a video short. Mixed Blood, Madonna, which was another video short, which was a segment of Borderline, apparently. Um, he wa- he was in three episodes of Miami Vice. He was Go in figure. Hispanic Gangster. He was in an episode <laughs> of Casualties. Of, he was in uh, Casualties of War. Uh, Revenge. He had a bit part in Die Hard 2. Huh. Um, yes, he was the... Uh, uh, I mean, he, wasn't, he wasn't a... Leguizamo almost never plays big names. Yeah, um, no, he doesn't. Um, but, uh, but he was Burke in Die Hard 2. Die Hard 2, uh, that was the, the airport. That was a crappy one that was at an airport. Yeah. That's the one in the airport. Yeah. Well, no, it wasn't, as, it wasn't as crappy as Die Hard 3. Um, I, I disagree. I think Die Hard 3 is better. He was in a short called the Bur- That Burning Question. For one thing, it had Samuel. Um, he was in <laughs> he was in Street Hunter as Angel. Um, 
in Madonna, in, in Madonna, the Immaculate Collection, a re-release of Madonna Borderline, he uh, was friend of boyfriend again. Um, At the risk of a very obvious pun, he gets in Madonna things quite often. Well, I think actually each one of those was a re-release. Yeah. Um, as its own separate I just I do find it amusing yeah. that his that the beginnings of his career were tied to Madonna's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of weird. Well, I'm, I'm thinking we're... T- I'm pretty sure we're talking the the Spanish Catholic Madonna, as in... Oh, okay. I thought this was like a... Well, you said borderline, so I was thinking like... Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe it is actually video. Madonna. I don't know. That's a Madonna video. It could yeah. just be Madonna. Um, the, the Immaculate Collection. Yeah, that's okay. Maybe I'm maybe a, I'm wrong. No, I, was a, think, name, I was thinking. I was thinking. I was thinking the other Madonna. No, that's like okay. a Madonna's greatest sure. hits thing. Okay, uh, Gentile Alouette Ortiz. Uh, in Polson, he was uh, she. He was Chanchi. Um, yeah, and, nobody's going to know any of this until you actually, unless you actually go to the movie and yeah, well, show he, them. Uh, he was in Hanging with the Homeboys and Poison. Hispanic Gangster. But Out for Justice, Boy in Alley. Oh, wait, um, the Steven Seagal movie. Huh. Yeah. Wow. God. Boy the guy, in Alley. Yeah, well, he was that's like, great. Was he nine? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> the guy, well, no, that's the thing. The guy has been... He's, he's not very frequently been a big name. The first time he was a big name, uh, he was uh, Out, for, Out for Justice. He was in Regarding Henry. NYPD Mountain, oh, which was a TV movie. movie. Yeah. Have you actually seen Out for Henry? No, regarding uh, regarding Henry. Henry. Uh, regarding Henry. Yeah, I have Harrison Ford. He yeah. was yeah. Dang. He was liquor store gunman. Oh, He's the guy that's who right. fucking shot him. Yeah. yeah. Dang. Uh, and that's a significant <laughs> role right there. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, he was in Puerto Rico Mambo, not a musical. <laughs> and, uh, and credited as Johnny Legs, and and his character was guess my nationality guy. <laughs> um, Johnny Legs. And now we're starting to get into things where he, um, he was in he was uh, John Castillo in Whispers in the Dark, uh, and then the big movie where he got a starring role right before Carlito's Way. He was Luigi Mario in the Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh my god. The ill-fated Super Mario Brothers and then he, and, and then, just to save his career, that same year, he was in Carlito's Way. No <laughs> That's funny because Super Mario Brothers, he was acting aside Dennis Hopper and Bob Hoskins. Those are big names yeah. at that time. Yeah. No, and, 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 and everyone pans the Super Mario Brothers movie. We should talk about it in, in depth oh, for good reason. Point. It's terrible. Yeah. It, is, it is terrible, but it's not... But it's Dennis Hopper and yeah. Bob Hoskins I will in a point, terrible movie. What the fuck? It is worth pointing out. It is a terrible movie. You are completely right about that. <laughs> but that is absolutely no fault of oh, no. anyone in front of the camera. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Yeah. They, I, they, I blame the writers. <laughs> it was the writers. Yeah. And um, I can't remember. Oh, there's a lot of terrible movies. With I, I want to say it's it was the writers and I can't remember I, I, I can't remember if it's this movie or a different video game um, adaptation movie I want to say it was Mario Brothers where the director didn't even show up half of the time oh yeah no I'm pretty sure that's Super Mario Brothers I, I want to say it was Super Mario Brothers but I, I, I don't want to be quoted on that other than you know it's recorded for all time yeah uh, <laughs> well I mean another great example Raul Julia was amazing as in Bison and Street Fighter which yeah. is another terrible movie oh yeah okay well, that's because he's Raul Julia yeah exactly you know that, that's the nice. I know man so, but uh, see I I, I, I I machete that I to me his last real role was uh, and Bison 
in his last real role <laughs> was Gomez Adams. He was a good Gomez Adams. He was no, he was Gomez Adams. Just like um, and now I can't remember her name. Was Morticia? Yes, just uh, Jessica. You're right. And this is for Adam's Family Values, right? Adam's and Adam's Family Values. Yeah, the same it's one. such a good movie. Yeah, just both very good movies. Uh, you know, and Christopher Lloyd as, as Fester. Well, and early Christina Ricci as well. Oh, yeah, that's the, that's the one that made... That was her, that put her on the map. Yeah, and put her on the map, but she just didn't capitalize on it from there. Um, but what's funny is the <laughs> girl... the most scout. unfocused episode we've ever done. The, the I girl love scout... <laughs> The Girl Scout that was her foil, the the girl that was yeah, the yeah. user, ended up playing in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> it was this Melody. Like, it's like 20 degrees of nerddom. Yeah. Here. yeah. Yeah. But, okay, speaking of 20 degrees of nerddom, you mentioned we were talking about Jim Belushi and, um, you know, and, and they John got... Belushi. Yeah, John Belushi. Well, remember, Jim Belushi, one of the things that got him in his start was Animal House. That was John. You mean John Belushi. John Belushi. John Belushi. Yes, thank you. Uh, Jim was was eight simple rules for dating my teenage daughter. Right. Well, man, um, I am sad. I know that that bit, that bit off the top of my head. Uh, um. Which was, uh, but then there was the um, he basically the guy who went on to play Veer in Babylon Five. Stephen Veer. First. He died recently. Stephen First did? Yes. So did Mr. Garibaldi. He died just. Uh, he died just late yeah. last year. Yeah, uh, a couple years ago. A couple years ago. Uh, just I was. I was. I was. I followed him on Facebook. It was fairly <laughs> sudden too. Yeah. Um. Like just didn't yeah. wake up one morning. So really yeah. Um. I thought Chris Warner was only like just last year. I think it was a couple years ago. Because I remember seeing the internet blow up about it for a little bit because. Enough people I know Boyle, on the internet yeah. love Babylon Five. It's like yeah, Garibaldi's dead. Yeah, Jerry Doyle. Uh, yeah, Jerry and, Doyle. Yeah, because I used to get his feeds because he had a he had a uh, he had a radio show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Mira Furland, should, you know, can't <laughs> is not allowed to die. <laughs> yeah, especially since Jakar has been dead for a while. Oh yeah, Andres Katsoulis. Uh, uh, did you know that there, uh, over at Ziggy's for the longest time, there was a picture of him. He had eaten it at Ziggy's at one point. His daughter went to school. Which Ziggy's? Uh, the original one. The one that's now Springfield Cafe. Ah. Um, his daughter went to school here. Really? Yes, yeah, she went to MSU. Back oh, damn, MSU. I didn't, I mean, I know John Goodman went to my alma mater. Right. He graduated from the same, de- from the same department I, I went to. Right. Our theater teachers would never shut up, especially the ones that taught him. Uh, <laughs> it's like, by the way, I had one teacher who had been here the whole time. He's like, by the way, I taught John Goodman. Right. And it's like, yeah, okay, that, that's that's great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, okay. Brad so, Pitt went to MSU for a little bit too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that old chestnut. Um, so I uh, things I've been geeking on over lately. I've been watching Young Justice. Yeah. Amazing show. I am yeah. so looking forward to season three. Yeah, I'm glad that there is a season three because they've they've done some solid stuff with it. Especially have have you gotten all the way through yet? No, I'm still on season one. Well then never mind. Never mind. We don't want to spoil it for you. Yeah. I was gonna say, especially well actually I can say this. 
Especially since season three has now been announced. Mm-hmm. Right. Season two ends on a cliffhanger. <gasps> Damn it! You spoiled it. <laughs> yeah, it's it. That's I don't feel like that's, that's spoiling. That's much. Right. Great yeah, it's like this is such a good show, and then the at the ending, which I will not spoil anything about the ending with, but I was like, "Wow, it's a great ending! I love it." And I all and, and I'm watching this after it's been. It's like when I first got into Firefly because I got into Firefly and it's like this is such a good show. Why is it only 13 episodes long? At least it didn't end yeah. on a cliffhanger. That's right? true. Yeah, and it got a movie. Yeah, uh, but, yeah, which is a miracle in and of itself. Yeah, but right. it's like it's like, but but at that point, Young Justice. You know, there was the internet campaign to get, give it a third season because there's the internet campaign to do everything to to give everything one more season. Yeah. Oh yeah, but yeah. And to and because there is the now ubiquitous internet campaign for one more season, I don't I don't even care about them. Right. Until a friend of mine who really does care about it was like, so the producers of Young Justice have reached an agreement with Netflix to consider a third season if Netflix will fund it. <laughs> and and the guy and one of the producers was like, I really do. Uh, producers or maybe the director, can't remember. But the person was like, I really want this to happen. Here is how the internet can help. Right. Don't. Don't write a campaign. You know, don't don't sign a petition. Right. That ain't gonna do shit. Here's what you do. Watch the show and get out people watching. Watch Young <laughs> Justice on Netflix. Over Even if you watched it, watch it again. <laughs> yeah. Get your friends to watch it. If yep. you really want there to be a third season, if you mm-hmm. want us to re- at least, you know, resolve hanging plot threads, because I think that's probably what season three will end up being. Season right. three will be a resolution. Right. Um, but if you want us to give you a resolution, well, uh, make <laughs> make it worth the money of Netflix. <laughs> right. It's like it's like what uh, Joel Hodgson said for when we brought when, after the MST3K Kickstarter. Here's the important thing. I know all of, most of you backed it. I backed it at the point where I have all of the episodes. I own them. I paid hundred dollars for them. Damn it. Mm-hmm. I watched them on Netflix because Netflix now has the now has the amount of time I have spent watching it, and apparently having this stopwatch running apparently will not will not let my screen turn off. That's good to know on my phone. Um, but I watched it on Netflix because, or at least until I kind of stopped watching it, I got through a bunch of episodes like, and that was MST MST out for a little bit. Yeah, I'm gonna go back to it here in a bit, but um, I watched it on Netflix because that way I can hopefully get more MST3K. Because I can't, I can't, I can't marathon MST3K. No, they're two hours long, and while they're really good, um, they kind of run together. But I can watch an episode every couple weeks and be very, very happy. 
Yeah, it's just not. It's just not really a bingeable thing. No. Yeah. Which, you especially ways, when it's really, really bad. Movies. Well, in some ways, it's I, I I love that because then you don't just go like, oh man, I've been looking forward to this for so long, and then bloop, it's done in like no. a few days or yeah. whatever. You it's actually like get to when, It's not it. like when like the defenders come out, the, comes yeah, out, and I'm going to watch it over a weekend. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, Luke Cage drops night. You know, on Friday I've watched like, it all day Saturday morning. Bastard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you and you're not working on Fridays. Well, sort of working on Fridays. You and your flexible out work hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, we are uh, starting to run out of time, by the way. So, which brings to another. Um, I love the opening sequence and the the uh, the satellite of love sequence on uh, on the new MST3K. Yeah, how he how he goes through the tube through the tube each time. Well, and you see the various parts of the satellite. Yeah. You know. Oh, you mean you mean the door sequence, the one, mm-hmm. two, three, four, five, six. Right. And the six, five, four, three, two, one. Yeah. Yeah, I I like the door sequence too. How it how it uh, how each door is its own little separate thing. It's its own little room. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. No, I'm, I I I liked it a lot more than being just this random tunnel with six doors. Right. <coughs> yeah, because well, I kind of like the random tunnel with six doors too. Well, see, now you get that he's on the satellite alone, and you're going to the theater at the end. Yeah. You know, and I, I gotta say, uh, we should. I, I feel like we should do an episode on it on MST at some point. Except mm-hmm. you've watched MST. It's yeah. Wookie that hasn't watched MST. Right. Yes. We just keep making episodes that Wookie doesn't want to be a part of. <laughs> I feel bad. Well, it's because Wookie's Wookie's fandom is very focused. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if we do an episode of the Lord of the Rings, he will walk across six miles of broken glass to be here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting the impression, and hopefully I'm wrong about it, but I'm getting the impression Wookie might become just a reoccurring guest star as opposed to a regular cast <laughs> member. Yeah, uh, depends on where he wants to be on yeah. that. And, he, I, and I'm going to talk to him about it, just be like, hey, you know, is are the feelings that I'm getting from from talking to you about this right? Right. No That's offense, should, I know we probably shouldn't be talking about this on the air, but whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, but um, some other things there. I've been... Geeking out about okay, so while I was at the uh, while I was at the um, the game sh- game uh, or at the prep show, swear to dude. I picked up a new I picked up a new game, the Get Out of Dodge game or the Good we should, game. We should play that at some point. Yeah, and one of the things about it is you have to improvise your own player pieces. <laughs> that's fun. You know, I got I got the endemons. Yeah, right. I almost feel like that's too easy, though. Right? Like yeah. you eliminate all the fun if you just go, "Hey, I got a mini." Yeah, know, find a random cool. object around the house. Yeah, know? exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be that dragon. God. <laughs> um, again, you're missing the spirit of the yeah. Thing. It's it, it's but um, it, it, the idea on the uh, <clears throat> with the good game is to get from the nasty evil city to your bug out location. To your bug out cabin. So you can get to the nasty evil uh, wilderness. Reminds me of uh, sorry, reminds me of a, of a series of a game company that I don't think exists anymore, which is a shame, called Cheap Ass Games. I've heard of oh, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know if they still exist or not. But Cheap Ass Games um, the, the point of Cheap Ass Games was the games were cheap ass. Um, mm-hmm. they came in a, in an envelope. <laughs> with maybe some cardstock if you were lucky for some of the co- for some of the pieces mm-hmm. but you had to improvise your own markers for things mm-hmm. and dice yeah 
you had to be like you had to improvise your pawns and you had to improvise dice because having pawns or dice would have made the games more expensive. Right, and the idea, of course, is to be cheap out. Yeah, and I gotta say, I really loved Kill Dr. Lucky. Kill Dr. Lucky. <laughs> Kill Dr. Lucky was a fantastic game. So was Save Dr. Lucky. Um, <laughs> there are two different... What Save Dr. Lucky was you had to get... You had to save Dr. Lucky by getting him off of a sinking ship. Um, and it came out after Kill Dr. Lucky. <laughs> so the story behind it was... Uh, was that you were trying to save Doctor Lucky, even though you hated that bastard and would like and would, and would gladly kill him someday? Uh, <laughs> I should see if they're still around. Um, so oh, the, thoughts, anyone? Because we've only got about three minutes. Well, the good game, uh, the good game the is good made by game. yeah, is made by Kill Switch Bunker Games. Nice. So killswitchbunker.com if you want to check out their game, and you know. Oh, um, I just love how on point the branding is. Kill Switch Bunker. Yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and of course they have. You know, the, you're you're trying to avoid being uh, arrested by FEMA, FIMA, the Federal Incarceration Malignant Agency. <laughs> There's not a political bend to that. Did uh-uh. we already have this discussion earlier in the episode? Well, when we we're talking about where I got it from. Yeah, that's true. And it was pre-episode. Yeah, you're right. It was pre-episode. We have, we we do tend to. Bleed together. Yeah. Yes. But Chain we do tend to, to chat during the food. Yeah, we eat before we record most times. Um, any final thoughts? Uh, other things that you want to squeeze in that you've been watching, doing, playing? Well, I've been working I, on I the mo- next... I modded uh, Darkest Dungeon. That was the thing I was going to say. Yeah. I'm working on the next Demon's Apprentice novel. I have started writing again. Um, and, <laughs> which and is then, as much as I will say in the matter. And then I'm also working on a... Post-apocalyptic um, dystopian piece called Daman Yager. You've told me the concept on Daman Yager. In Daman Yager, the main character is a woman who lives in a uh, corporate theocracy, and she has she so it's had, Scientology, huh? <laughs> Scientology, um, uh, prosperity gospel, you name it. Um, basically, and uh, she thought she had recovered from amnesia, and then she finds oh, out yeah. that I there's remember. another set of memories buried beneath her. I remember you telling me about so. this now. Not too many spoilers now. At some point, we might have to have an episode on books Ben's writing. Right. But Damon Yager is German for Demon Hunter, to give you an yeah. idea. There you go. Uh, for me, um, I, I've been uh, on a D&D kick lately, as I've been uh, I'm preparing for the... Uh, I've been DMing Curse of Stroud game that Ben actually is a player in, and, uh, but I'm not. And Wookie as well. Um, it's only because it was on Friday night when you worked. Indeed. Yeah, back at the time. I Real worked. life gets in the way. That and also I probably would have ruined the game for everyone. Next next session uh, will be the final session, the final showdown with Strahd, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that immensely. And the epilogue that will follow it. <laughs> um, so yeah, that'll be pretty awesome. And uh, yeah, other than that, um, uh, played and finally got to... Um, play a halfling for the first time that I started a, a, an online campaign that Wookie's also a, a player in. It's been a lot of fun so far. We had kind of a marathon, marathon session because everyone just didn't have anything to do so it's like alright, let's just keep playing and it wound up being like nine hours instead of four hours, <laughs> which was Those uh, are always great good, good times were had, yeah. yeah it was pretty great. Like, anybody got anything we gotta we got do right? Like, like, no, not really. Nope. Alright, let's just hey, get going. Everybody off work tomorrow? Yeah. Wanna, <laughs> yeah. Keep, wanna keep playing? It's, yes. it's, only, yeah. it's, it's only, you no. know, the eyes have morning. <laughs> yeah. Right. It was great. No, the funny thing is, is when we, um, 
we've been talking about the uh, the, the one-off session. Yeah, yeah. And in uh, if there if if we're stopped, you know, if we're stopped for a moment, we've we've taken to slipping into the one-off sessions, our our other characters. So that's going to be hilarious. Yeah, the one shot should be an interesting. It's going to be like a worlds collide thing with like D and D and hunter characters and whatnot. <laughs> Can I be part of that one? I I don't see why not. You show up. It's Friday. I, work on, I don't work on Friday. Well, yeah. I do work on Fridays, but I only work until 5, so... Never you. Which is why I can make... Which is why I'm able to make Middleworth. Uh, <laughs> so... We are pretty much out of time here, so, um... Thank you for putting up with this crazy random episode of Nonsense. Um, I think we'll, we'll call this just the... This random stream. episode of Nonsense. That's, yeah. that's good random right there. Random episode <laughs> Stream of episode, I don't know. Um, yeah, um, anyhow, this has been Neil... The one true Ben. Mike. And uh, next time on Geek Anthology. This podcast is a production of Working Theory Productions. It was brought to you by an umlaut and the number pi. Opening theme is Ultra Mega Hyperstorm, and ending theme is March of the Mind, both by Kevin McLeod. If you enjoyed this podcast, or know someone who would, please consider sharing it on your social media, sending us an email, or leaving us a comment. We read all of them. If you really enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us either by donating at our website or on Patreon at patreon.com slash working theory. A final thought. Slenimnet. I've been a lot of sound, but I said, look, we'll scout.